0: Hello and welcome to the Project Good Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Marie Hilton. Project Good is a social impact podcast interviewing experts and advocates about the passing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest moving forward in the future. The Project Good Podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people and the planet. For July, we're focusing on the rise of violence. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Isenia Fassarin, who is a professor in the School of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Arizona State University. Her research focuses on the events and situational factors that result in violence, the processing of violent crime in the criminal justice system and anti-violence strategies. Let's get into the interview. It's no secret that America experiences a lot of gun violence. In fact, according to the Gliffords Law Center, to prevent gun violence, nearly every American will know at least one victim of gun violence in their lifetime. Over 1 million Americans have been shot in the past decade, and gun violence rates are rising across the country. In 2021, gun deaths reached their highest level in at least 40 years, with 48,830 deaths that year alone. The U.S. accounts for just 4% of the world's population, but 35% of global firearm suicides, and Americans are 25 more times likely to be killed in that homicide than people in other high-income countries. Today, we've exploring the rise in violence with Arizona State University, University's Dr. Eugenio Fisario, whose research explores correctional practices in the United States. Dr. Pisario is a member of the Firearm Safety Among Children and Teens Consortium or called FAFS, and the Homicide Research Working Group, called HRWG. She has worked with police departments, agencies throughout the country in joint efforts to curb violence and has managed federally funded grants that focus on urban violence and inmate partner homicide prevention. Awarded by the Bureau of Juris, uh, Jur- Justice Assistance, Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. National Institute of Health and National Science Foundation in various capacities and roles. She currently serves as the editor-in-chief of Homicide Studies. Welcome, Dr. Casario. Well, thank
1: you for having me here. It's a real pleasure to to speak to you um, today.
0: Yes, I'm so happy to um, talk about this topic because it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, well, I guess in America it is always timely. <laughs> yes, what, um, unfortunately. But, yes. Um, but mm-hmm. lately as we've uh, seen um, in these, uh, I guess, uh, uh, years of the uh, pandemic and um, since, um, more and more um, things have unfolded that have, uh, I guess you could say, shocked most of us out of our seats. Uh, so before we get the, uh, into the interview, I always like to get to know a guest a little bit more uh, personally. So what uh, made you pick uh, criminology to study as a major in college?
1: So um, I grew up in the inner city of North New Jersey, and um, during the height of the crack epidemic. So um, I saw a lot of um, um of crime and victimization, and I always wanted to do something to help my community and to help people. And I was fascinated by why people engaged in things that were mean or not so nice to to others. And I thought that that meant I wanted a career in law as a as a as a judge, but it turned out that um, the better path for me was to be a social scientist um, so that I can um, work in providing an understanding for why these things are occur, but while providing that understanding, also be able to um, tailor and to suggest actual prevention um, strategies.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, that's the, uh, you know, I always think it's cool when people take their real life experience and then start to um, expand it in ways that they can uh, go out and help those people, not only in their community, yeah. but um, just society. So I commend you um, for um, doing Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, uh, just uh, first personal note, I know I took like one criminology, um criminology class in college and I, uh, so I was leaning out the forensic and and then I realized mm-hmm. it was like, you'll probably start to feel some down. They're still looking at dead people all day. <laughs> um, so, um, but I know it's very yeah. interesting. I know it's very interesting. So um, I'm, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm uh, excited to talk to you because I, I know it's a very, um, uh, you know, um, exciting field in and in, an, mm-hmm. in of it itself, um, but also, you um, you know, uh, with your expertise and specifically, um, you, you know, when you focus on bank violence, which, which is, of here in America has been like the hot button. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess, um, when we, uh, this will start at the beginning. So in, in, I guess we'll just say in America because America seems to lead the world um, with this with this problem. Um, I guess what do you think makes America, I guess, different than other countries in the world?
1: Well, in in terms of so what what makes us stand out um, to other sisters, similar countries is our rates of of of. Firearm harm, right, and firearm-related harms, and one of the obvious things that make us um, different, um, so that can explain those rates, is that unlike many of our sister countries, we um, guns are sewn into the fabric of American culture. We have a Second Amendment, um, which is something that other countries. That are similar to us um, don't have so um, the ability to own a firearm um, and the ability to 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 own own multiple firearms. Right, it's something that is protected under our constitution. Um, That when you compare us to places that are like us, um, they don't have those abilities.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I think one of the things I also, I don't know if, would you say there's like a different mentality, I guess, across the board here in in comparison or not
1: I don't know if it's so much of a different mentality, although there has been research um, on different subcultures in the United States. One of the... um, one of uh, probably some of the oldest um, theories related to this. There's one um, that talks about the Southern culture and how um, there's a a culture of of chivalry and protection um, that makes it more acceptable. To respond um, to violence, um, we also know that um, on research that more current research right now that is done on urban areas, it talks about um, the emergence of self-help type cultures, where people feel like they need to take matters into their their own hands due to um, not having any faith in the formal legal systems. Right. So um, because of a history. Of, uh, of abuse by the legal system histories of discrimination people might not feel um as though these legal systems are there to protect them so um they take they're more likely to take matters into their own hands and calling the police for example because of that history and fear that they're going to be victimized on the hands of the police so um I think that's something I have not done comparative research in other countries, but that's definitely something that comes out a lot um, when you look at the literature on violence, this whole idea of the southern subculture of violence, as well now as since the 1990s, research that is looking at urban violence and the subcultures that emerge in urban environments.
0: Yes, and you know that makes sense because I was I was about to ask you like is American just just violent? <laughs> that's uh, you know that's an, an, an uh, that's kind of the picture that the rest of the world has gotten in the last um, years. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, they that is the picture from like when I talk to like pe- folks and, and and researchers from from other um, countries, right? Particularly some of the. Um, um, european countries they're they're always like what is going on in in the united states um i think that um i wouldn't say that americans are just violent i just think that there are some subcultures um that are rooted in our history that um are regarded as more violent than others right and that are rooted in the fabric of how our uh, uh, of how our country was built right that are rooted in in that fabric of um of the consequences that and we're seeing right now the consequences of things like slavery and and segregation and um and and, and those things that are probably more unique to us than they are to other places um
0: Yes, and I guess um, you know that that leads me to one of the things. Of course, when people think about violence, and you know the the instant picture that comes to people's minds, I think are um, uh, black and brown people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so um, I guess uh, I want to touch on the um, you know the the image and um, maybe a, a stereotype, and you know and just uh, kind of dive into it. So, you know, even statistically, black and male people seem to face more violence um, than mm. other groups. And so why do you think that is?
1: I think, uh, and based on what, what the research would say, um, I think it's a, is, is a function of of the social structure of, of the country, right? The, um, there is big um, correlations between violence and, and, and social class. And um, I hate using the word social class. But, um, it's better, I think it's better to say things like poverty, right? Um, so um, there, because of the history of the United States, because we're still, you know, it's it's been a long time, but we're still feeling the um the legacy uh, of slavery the legacy of Jim Crow um which have um created a situation where black and brown folks are m- more heavily concentrated in in the poverty lines and when you look at that um it has an effect on every uh, multiple aspects of your life right it has an effect on things like the type of medical care that you get it has an effect on things like how are you going to be are you going to be exposed to toxins that can um create um bad health effects and and externalizing behavior. It has an effect on education and opportunities for better education. It has an effect on what type of employment opportunities are there. And more importantly, it also has an effect on how the criminal legal system reacts to you, right? So we know, for example, and there's been research that's been done on policing, is that um, based on where you live, the type of policing that you're going to get is going to be different, right? So if you live in an ar- in an urban area that's characterized by poverty and cons- consequently higher crime rates, the police might be a little bit more aggressive or a lot more aggressive when they police you in that community versus what they're policing in other places. So all these things are conflated with each other among themselves to create environments um, that are ripe for crime and that are ripe for the emergence of violent crime, right? So they create the cycle, right? Now, people in these environments may not be getting the proper nutrition and healthcare, which can manifest itself in certain things. And you couple that with there also, the children are not getting the proper opportunities or the proper education that they need to succeed and and break those cycles so it's just a never-ending cycle that are are created that unfortunately we're still seeing due to um policies from the turn of the century the previous century that have affected people um and i went into my criminology lecturing mode so the (laughs) No, 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 no. I, no, I appreciate
0: it. You know, that's what we we like on this mm-hmm. podcast. That's what we like to, you know, talk mm-hmm. to the people who are the experts. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 so you know, you bring up a point that I think a lot of people continuously miss, um, and I think it's purposely miss missed um because we like easy, right? So it's easy to yeah. say, the classify people like and say, well, it's just how they're made, right? Um, but uh, they don't consider all these um, external factors that are playing mm-hmm. into um, a human being's, uh, you know, psyche, um, emotional, and even its physical health. Um, and that yeah. you know, um, uh, essentially, it's almost like you have you're in a pressure cooker.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and it's not as simple right so some people would say like yeah people make choices but but they don't understand that those choices don't occur in a vacuum right that those that all of us have our influence and our behaviors and how we react to things and are influenced by our social context and what we're surrounded up and our upbringing and and um so it, 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 it the, the, so, the outside social affects the inside of, of us. And um, unfortunately, there's still a lot of inequalities in the United States that affect some groups more than others.
0: Yes, and then, you know, I think, um, and this I know I'm, I'm, I'm stretching it a bit, but I think, um, you know, with the pandemic, it, it evens, well, no, I, I guess I'm not really stressing stretching it a bit. I think the pandemic even highlighted more and more of those inequalities, right? Um, yes, definitely. And and, and, and it also brought people who maybe weren't experiencing any of these things into that now new cycle and being in there like, what? It's mm-hmm. I never had to deal with this and deal with that. and Oh, my goodness. When the kids, you know, yeah. so many people were out of work. Um, they had to now, mm-hmm. um, you know, go into maybe programs or start acting into systems that they never even knew existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, since the pandemic, uh, you know, every day I don't, I, I purposely don't every day anymore, like watch the news. Cause there's only so much I can, uh, um, emotionally handle. So I take my, mm-hmm. <laughs> I take my news days down and catch up. Yeah, Um, yeah. but how would you say that? the. Um the pandemic um it, it exacerbated this problem.
1: I, so before the pandemic, we were starting to see steady, inc- um, steady increases in violence. Right. But I think that the pandemic actually like just um, <laughs> um, like, it, it just like moved everything forward. And definitely the pandemic definitely brought um, extra stresses to the general American population. Um, and you couple that with um and, and I'm not a political scientist or historian, but there was also around the pandemic, this change in rhetoric, right? Where people just felt like it was okay to go and insult okay. others, um, which is probably a topic in your uh, of another podcast. <laughs> but so-
0: Yes, it was actually- <laughs> Yes.
1: A change no. of, of okay. rhetoric coming from the top down to us. Then you add a pandemic, um, I just feel that in uh, maybe 100 years from now, right? Um our grandkids are going to be studying this, but it feels to me that there's been like a shift in 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 culture and and stuff that were then coupled with the pandemic and now, all of a sudden, you see these extra high rates of violence. But one of the things I think that's very important to note is that for whatever reason, um, gun sales went up during the pandemic, right? the Gun sales went up. People were arming themselves more. I, I guess the fear of, of like a crash of the country, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but gun sales went up. And with that, increase in gun sales, right? You are, we also saw an increase in firearm mortality.
0: Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize in America, there's more guns than there are people. (laughs) yes well that's that's
1: what we think right um Mm -hmm. interestingly enough you hear these stats that's like our best type of estimates nobody knows how many guns are in this country because um because of the second amendment um we're not about we 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 can't really trace it there's like we have these estimates based on how many are sold, but those are from federal licensed dealers. We don't know what private sellers are selling, um, and then we make we estimate based on on that or subscriptions to gun and ammo. Um, but be, we don't really have great records um, or, or a great tracking system for firearms. Um, you, you can't do that um at least it's it's been blocked um Amen. Yes but, but previously but yeah there's there's a lot of guns we based on gun sales we know that there's a lot of guns. we don't know exactly how many but we know it's a lot a lot. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. You know, I i started having this vision as you were talking about like, you know, mm-hmm. I know we're the West, the wild, wild west. <laughs> and then <that helps laughs> yeah. and a bunch of and like everybody here is like a cowboy re- ready to shoot that you know, we have yeah. that image. Unfortunately, like, okay, yeah. you know starting abundance and bam, bam bam. He this Yeah, well,
1: that's (laughs) that's literally how I think some of our um, friends from other countries look
0: at us, right? They think it's um, they think it's a western, yeah, it's it's fighting cowboys, yes, yeah. Um, You know, uh, so speaking of uh, gun violence, because this topic obviously is a hot topic um, continuously in the news, um, politically, socially. Um and it, it and it comes kind of, and it continues to come into play. It's it's become kind of a little bit, I would say, of a broken record. Um, because every time there's a shooting which happens, like mm-hmm. I would say we're getting to apply probably almost weekly. Um somebody, you know, something something goes down and um you know, and then people bid on there and say, you know, the same old thing, like should we have gun control? And then there's a dictate on the news between one person for it and one person. Um, not for it but why why do we continue to you know go into this like uh circle do you think there shouldn't be gun control in the u.s um i don't i don't call it gun control i think that there's
1: things that can make safety right so i call it more gun safety um so because this whole idea of gun control means like you're controlling all guns. Really? But what we know, right? We we know for a fact that yeah. the majority of, of gun owners are general, you know, law-abiding people. There, it's um well, the majority of, of of people who we have records of, right? are law-abiding right. people. They're not doing anything. They're they're using their guns for for sport or for hunting um so I, I think what we and 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 th- this rhetoric has come out and I think is used as a scare tactic um for people that don't understand what what the, that the real from for most of us that do this type of work what we're asking is to put safety safety in place right you know? um why i i, I think it's I think that guns have become a, a taboo and there's people that just don't have um, a lot of understanding um because of the way things are discussed. So um that's why I always say gun safety because I think we all agree that if you have a weapon that can kill people, maybe we need to talk about safety measures so that you don't kill people, I mean maybe. especially innocent people. Um So I forgot, I I lost my train of thought, but, um, we need to, um, oh yes. So, and I think one of the reasons that there is, um, a lack of knowledge is because, um, until very recently, until the past five years, right, um, there was not even research in this area, um, due to federal legislation, the Dickey Amendment that passed in the 1990s. Pretty much, public dollars weren't allowed to be used to study firearms. Very little public dollars. So there's this gap in knowledge, and 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 we un- until I think the the first CDC panel was um, put fourth in 2020, um, where um, CDC funds went to study firearm violence and firearm-related harms. So, um, there's a a gap in the knowledge um, base, and um, there's not a lot of research to inform stuff. Um, Now, the research is occurring. But, um, yeah, I think it's just... It could be lack of knowledge and scare tactics that are used by some pundits to scare people about things like they're going to come take away your guns. This is unAmerican, without actually um, presenting people with the facts and what the and what is actually being proposed. So, so for example, one of these things that are being proposed is um. And, and that I think 18 states have it. as extreme risk protection orders, right? Okay. That's not going to take away everybody's guns. That's just pausing somebody's Second Amendment right if they have threatened to kill someone or kill themselves. We, we, if you threat to go shoot a place up, I think we could all agree in gun safety that maybe yep. you shouldn't gun right or if you're threatening or you have suicidal ideation i think we can all agree that probably at least the person's family can agree like we don't want them to have a gun because we don't want them to commit suicide right um is i i yeah so uh yeah, being yes. able to get more
0: mm-hmm. and so speaking of uh you know um, I'm thinking of two scenarios that are continuously, um, popping up these days. Um, the un- un- unfortunate, um, situations of school shootings, um, that mm-hmm. seem to be on the rise. So we have, um, you know, a whole generation. They're not even making it to adulthood before they're, um, you know, um, uh, slinging guns, um, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, um, becoming mass murderers uh, you know, why, I guess, um, I, I have a couple questions of this and I'm sure these are questions that a lot of people have. Why well, didn't think that, um, there's a rise in school, ch- uh, shootings of like children really changed that much?
1: I don't, I think it's, it's due to a rise in opportunity, right? I, I think there's more guns out there. Um, and, um, and, um, and it's just easier to access, right? And I'm not a child psychologist or developmental psychologist that examines youth that, that way. But one of the things that we know is that, um, and as a criminologist who study a situational factors, the first thing that comes to mind is that there's just an increased opportunity because there are. We know that there are more guns out there, right? So which if you're not securely, um, securely um, handling your gun or um, putting your gun away, it, it just creates more easier access, right? So I think one of the things that we have to explore is how do you limit that access of especially uh, of young kids right how, how do you limit that access
0: yes 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 because mm-hmm. like it seems to me that you know either the parents have guns or i guess or uh people, or, you know people have figured out how to do everything online <laughs> yeah well
1: figure out how to go everything online yeah. but depending mm-hmm. on the state you can go at a, after a certain age you can go to walmart and and get a gun right mm-hmm. Some states that's uh-huh. the way it is. It's part of the culture, right? And that's just um the way it happens. So I think what some gun safety scholars will say is, you know, perhaps we should not make it that easy because when you just open it up for everyone, you have an increased risk of people that shouldn't doing it, right? Yes, and
0: yes, and then the 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 other hop there's uh two other hot buttons. first I'm going they do one that touches on uh, at least fifty uh, percent of the global population um, is there's a rise mm-hmm. in women being killed or victimized as yeah. well. Um, you know, one of the things that I have been highlighting. To a, through a lot of our podcasts this year there and maybe even last year I did it um is that it seems that women are under the microscope in a whole different way than I've ever seen in history and um and so you know and then women have become uh you know uh I guess you'll always have to have in your shield. Yeah, um, there's so
1: many things going on. I, I've just lost track of it, right? <laughs> it <laughs> it like, there's so many things, like, and legislations and proposals and stuff that, just, that are related to limiting women <laughs> that it's just That Again, that's
0: another podcast, but I'm like, I'm always like, like, what now? Yes. Um, Do you think that there's a correlation? You can just answer this. I know you're not a psychologist, but is there, uh, this is something that I'm doing kind of way out there um, on the spot, but do you think that because of um, the lack of, like our society has become much more... Uh, What's the best word? I guess, uh, uh, yes, we're materialistic, but we're also, we don't, Mm -hmm. like, uh, less um, empathetic, I guess, just to to people, right? And do you think because women, you know, and I'm being a little bit stereotypical, but, you know, if we want to look from a biological standpoint, women are the, you know, um, are the ones that bear children, Right. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and because there has been like this uh, lack of empathy, of this um, disregard, um, uh, essentially for life, as uh, you know, this violence and guns and everything um, keep rising, do you think that that has a correlation of why then women are being killed and victimized?
1: I I think it's complex. I didn't, I never thought of it that way. It could be, right? Right. Um, I think that um, there, in in recent years, there's definitely a, uh, a p- it appears to me, and I'm I'm not a gender studies person, but it appears to me that in recent years there's um, a lot more emphasis on controlling women and what women do, right? And one of the things that we do know about things like intimate partner violence and intimate partner homicide that there is a level of control there, um, so you know the, the rhetoric seems 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 to match right Sometimes. um i do the rhetoric also seems to match and and you touched upon something i i didn't i wasn't i didn't say so eloquently before but was that um i feel and i'm speaking just like a regular human now that um People are just not as nice, maybe, as before. I think that in the past 10 years, um, it's been okay to just be mean and uncivil Lovely. to others. Um, I think before, I, I just felt that there was a degree of decorum that you just don't go around saying stuff to people like that, very few people. So I think it's there's been a, a freedom now that you can just do and say outland outlandish things that may not even be true to others, and there's just no consequence, right? Sometimes, like I just like watch C-SPAN sometimes, and it's like I can't believe that these people are saying this. This is like clearly not true. There's evidence to show that this is not true, and they're like, yeah, they just say it, and it. Because it's their fact. So that change in culture, I think that's something that people are going to be studying 100 years from now and saying, like, that's it, right? We're going to find that correlation. But in the realm of what I study, right, we do know that um, having a firearm in the home increases the risk for women um, by 400 percent, over 400 percent that they're going to be victimized. Um, It's not the same for men, but for women, it's that because you're more likely to be victimized by somebody, by an intimate, by somebody you live with. It increases the risk. And then when you see that firearms Um, have increased and sales have increased, then you would expect there's more firearms in the home. So now there's more risk for women in the home. So if you look at it purely in a situational aspect. In the areas that I have no expertise, I do think that there might be some relationship with this, what appears to be this this new culture or out more outward culture on controlling women, right? Like when you look at reproductive rights, that's a control of women's body or, or the other things that are happening. Uh-huh. Um, it's an issue of control. Um,
0: yes, definitely. And then you know, you know one of the other hot buttons that um, you know uh, arises a lot in the news, of course, is uh, you know, killing uh, of. I'll say, uh, uh, black, uh, people, black Americans. Yes. So that's like the, um, it's we, when we just say gun violence, I think it's the poster child image that just <laughs> arises instantly in the mind, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, um, there have been a lot of, um, you know, um, black people that are, uh, getting killed <laughs> in, uh, sometimes very horrific ways. Um, yeah and a lot of them sometimes are children and so mm-hmm. um and, and it's uh an uprising i would say in the black community of you know um uh, uh, uh terror but there's also um, how can black communities um you know be, how would you su- suggest that they be safer and have less killings happen to them is there a way I, I don't, you know, that's
1: a packed question. Um, we just, I, I was just reading before this, this, our, 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 our meeting, the, the, the latest shooting in, in Kansas City, I, I wish I had a solution. I think we need to do a better job at, um, at educating people, um, I, Again, one of the things that I have noticed, and just as a human, not as a criminologist in the past 10 years, is that um, people are just more overt with their racism. It's like (laughs) back in the day, I feel like they were like less overt, but now it's just like in your face racism. I think a lot of it is also... um, fueled by the rhetoric that we're getting from the top down, right? Um in in and, and media and the things that you hear now. I don't know how to fix it. The only thing as a criminologist I could say is like, you know, perhaps letting everybody without proper background checks, without um um checking Perhaps it's not a good thing to just let everybody have a gun because if they have these fears that um, that they have made up in their mind because of Fox News, they're going to victimize others. I wish I had a solution. Um, And it's something that really bothers me and it keeps me up at night because I don't know how to fix it (laughs) other than. And I do what I can do is just um, make sure that as an educator, I am bringing facts and teaching my students facts. And I hope that by showing them facts and educating people um, that they can, you know, have more empathy. And when they go out into the world, they are like good citizens. Um, That's the, um, and then I vote. right I, I I don't miss an election mm-hmm. uh, but I wish I can do more, and I just don't know what to do at this point,
0: Yes it, it is a it's a you know, it's a it's a huge, huge problem with that probably a million layers. Um, yeah, so, yes. Yes, yeah. Yes. and I'm
1: sorry you're hearing blowers um the landscaper for across the street is here, and it's really annoying me.
0: Um, no, no worries, no worries. I, I understand. Okay. <laughs> um, I just have two more questions because I know um, sure. your are Based off of uh, uh, everything that you uh, you know study, research, and then of course uh, lived experiences, um, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, um, but I guess if you pretended they did, then would you? What do you see in the future um, in this area? Will the pilots continue to increase? Or are we going to get go the other way? I am optimistic, and this is why
1: I'm optimistic. Um, Now there's cleaning the street. Well, yeah, but let me go back to that. I'm optimistic, and I'm optimistic because I see the push of um, the young people right? I am feeling good um, when I see the understanding of young people that these are going to be your future voters and, and, and the people that um, are going to be putting lawmakers in. Um, they seem to be a lot more conscious about important social issues, including violence and other things like climate change. So I'm optimistic because I'm liking what I'm seeing from our youth. In the realm of firearm violence, I'm also optimistic because I'm seeing a more more and more Americans, right? And actually the majority of Americans are in favor of, of um, firearm safety regulations. Um, there has been an outpour of, of now research funds. One of the things that I was doing this morning, I, I'm in a panel with the CDC looking at potential future research that can inform anti-violence, right? So um, I'm seeing... That there is an attention, and I'm seeing that our youth are not passive um, receptors of this is how they're going to be. They're, you know, as a mother, I sometimes get upset with my child's sass, and he has questions like why, and and I want to understand, and I get upset with that. But this is like actual good traits as he grows up. Right. He's not going to be the passive receptor of this is the way it is. And I'm seeing that more and more among our youth. So I am optimistic of what the future has, um, because I I believe that this generation coming up is going to um, not be passive receptors and are going to make a difference.
0: But I, 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 like that. I like that. Um, I think also, you know, sometimes we just, we get, um, siloed in our thinking. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, so this, uh, you know, the, the use of today how a totally dispar- a different experience than the adults. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, um, a lot of us, uh, grew up when, uh, technology was just becoming up age. Um, when yeah. you, you know, you've, uh, be, uh, I'll say full, full globalized. Um, you know, uh, so it, it, I could see where you can, um, you know, see the mm-hmm. optimism to it um, because the youth are able to literally get together with somebody on the other side of the world for a conversation mm-hmm. in minutes. Um, and so they can make a difference that way. Um, my last question um, is where should we start to heal as a nation against violence?
1: Whew, that's it's a um I think I'm, we're doing a lot of work in the ground right to try to help us heal and to prevent violence and to do anti-violence things. but I think it starts from the top uh, um and I'm 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 happier now than I was for three years three and a half years like that was like a nightmare I forgot about it but um, I think we need, it starts with leaders that care, that leaders that try to unite, that leaders that understand the pain that we have gone through. And instead of throwing fire logs to the fire, they try to unite us in what makes us common, right? So, um, so I think it starts from the top, um, we might be moving there in the direction. I mean, it's not as bad as it was four years ago. <laughs> but um, our leaders need to do a better job in modeling the type of behavior and the type of empathy that um, we need. Because kids are impressionable, right? It comes from there,
0: um, from what you see. Yes, I I, I, 100% agree. Um, so thank you so much. Um, thank you, Saria, for your time and insight. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Fazario, go to www.asu.edu and you can check out her faculty page to learn a little bit more about her. If you have passion for an issue, a social justice problem, or simply want to change minds, contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today. We'd like to send our deepest gratitude to our on show supporter, Blair Chapman. Subscribe to our mailing list at projectgood.org. Slash subscribe to get our episodes and blog articles sent to you each month. Plus, get 10% off on any project you start with projectgood.org. Are you part of the Project Good Changemaker community? Sign up today at www.projectgood.org. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Project Good, where we're focused on what next.